Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Amen. Aren't you glad he made a way for you to triumph? How many of you know that just because somebody makes the way for you to triumph, you still gotta, you gotta walk the way. You gotta go the way. Amen. He made a way. But I came tonight just not just to say thank you, God, for making a way, but I'm going to triumph in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk in the way. I'm gonna walk in the way of victory. Amen. The Lord bless you. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Joshua, chapter 3. Amen. And again, tomorrow and again on Wednesday night, we'll have similar service. We're going to come together. Amen. And, and really, I don't know, most of the time when I get up, first thing I think about is not food unless I'm fasting. This morning, the first thing I thought about was food. The second thing I thought about was food. In the middle of the day, just out of nowhere, I thought, you know what? I can't wait to have dinner with the family tonight. I was like, I can't have dinner. Never, I, you know, normally, I don't think thoughts like that until you're fasting. Amen. And then the co-workers bring in the brownies. Somebody, the one person who never brings donuts, bring, let me just stop talking about food. How about that? But as our fasting as the flesh dies and that's really what's happening right now we're not just um, going on a hunger strike we're fasting we're crucifying the flesh we're telling our flesh no and when we do that the spirit gets stronger Amen. you may have less physical week uh, less physical strength how about that but spiritually our strength will increase as the week goes on as the days go on and so tomorrow night, I'm asking us to come focused in prayer and, and letting the Spirit pray, amen, letting the spiritual man get some victory in this place tomorrow night. And then Wednesday night, not only are we going to be, our fleshly man is, you know, weakened and, and the spiritual man is strong, but we're also going to have the hope of eating after service. So I have a, I expect Wednesday night, everybody's going to be like in a good mood, just let's do this, Pastor, let's Amen. Let's pray and, and run the devil out of here so then we can chase him right over there to Longhorn and get a steak. Amen. Well, I am looking forward to this. I don't like, I don't, I don't know. I guess if somebody says they like fasting, uh, maybe like the effect of fasting. But I don't think anybody likes it. If you do like it, maybe there's something wrong with you. You need to get you checked. But it's good for us. It's good for the body to, to fast together. Amen. Joshua chapter 3, verse 5 through 13. I'm reading the English Standard Version. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Amen. Consecrate yourselves now or today, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So the priests took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. The Lord said to Joshua, today, 
I will begin to exalt, not tomorrow, but today. I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Here is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man, verse 13, and when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. Amen. And I just want to preach, talk to us tonight for a little while on this thought. Consecration before wonders. Amen. Consecration before wonders. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, we ask you tonight. God, we're asking you to speak to us in a special way. Lord, we're not just here because we don't have anything else to do. I know even today in prayer, God, I asked you, Lord, I, I'm not just trying to call a special service because we don't have anything else to do. I know that we're busy. I know that people have busy lives. I know we have jobs and we have family life and this coming weekend is a holiday weekend. There's a lot going on. I know that we're busy. God, we're not just here tonight because we don't have anything else to do. But Lord, we're here tonight because we're hungry for more of you. We're here tonight because we want direction from you, God. We're here tonight because we want you to do more among us, God. We're, we're here tonight because we see a world that is broken. And God, we know that you're the only thing that can heal them. And so we ask you, God, to do a special work over these next three nights. We pray it in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. I want to, if you would, just kind of keep your Bibles open. If you've already closed them, kind of reopen them. And follow along with me. We're just going to kind of take a verse-by-verse verse look at this portion of Scripture. Amen. And the power of consecration. Amen. The power of consecration. And the first thing that I would bring to our awareness from this portion of Scripture, beginning in verse number 5, it's simply the first phrase that is used there, the first six words. The Bible says, then Joshua said to the people. Amen. The first principle that I believe consecration brings is unity. Amen. Joshua, the Bible says he spoke to the people. There must have been some way that they had called the people together, some sort of signal that was sent out, whether it was a messenger that went into the tribes or whether it was uh, some sort of a, maybe a trumpet that was sounded, but all the people came together. And the Bible says that Joshua spoke to all the people. It wasn't to some select subcommittee. It wasn't to some separate group, but Joshua spoke to all of the people. Amen. He spoke to all of Israel. And first and foremost, I want to speak on June the 27th, if I have today's date correct. The same thing that I preached on January the 9th when I cast vision to the church. 
amen, that the first focus that God called us to this year is for this church as a strong family. Amen. There were certainly after that, yes, we want uh, our families to be strong families and we want to reach the families of our community. But the first thing that God spoke to us in vision for this year is strengthening this church family, the body of Christ. Amen. We look around you right now and there I know many that would be here tonight but can't for uh, most of them for sickness, others for various reasons. But we, we the church family, God wants to strengthen the church family. And we, we said back on January the 9th that the first focus for this church in this year is going to be upon the church family. That we are a strong family of believers that exist to build strong families. These are some, I'm, I'm going to read to you some exact quotes that I made on January the 9th in our vision casting. That we are going to be a church family that prays together. Amen. That we canceled some of the other things that were going on. We, we kind of uh, uh, minimized our calendar a little bit. And we said, all right, we're going to put our corporate prayer at two times. It's going to be uh, Wednesday night from 6.30 to 7.15. And then on Sunday mornings, we're going to pray corporately. And we said that we're going to put our focus on corporate prayer. And I asked all of the other prayer meetings that were going on, I asked that we would stop those for the time being and that we would all come together. Why? Because there needs to be a focus on unity. And I'll be honest with you and tell you there are times as a pastor that I don't even know why I'm asking you to do what I'm asking you to do. I just, God prompts me. God speaks to me as the pastor and says, this is the focus right now. And at the beginning of this year, I felt God speak to me and say, it's time to bring the body together. And it's time for the focus of the church to be unified prayer. Amen. That we're going to be a church that prays together. And we're going to be a church that worships together. Amen. And we're going to be a church family that grows together and that loves together. Amen. I asked in that vision casting service that we would put the focus on us instead of me. Or maybe a smaller select group of we. That instead of that, this year we're going to put our focus on us. Amen. That we aren't going to have small breakout groups doing their own thing, but rather we're going to come together and we're going to pray together. Do I believe people getting together on their own and praying is a bad thing? No, I don't believe that. But I do believe that God is saying to this church for now, we need to come together. All right, we need to pray together. I'm asking you more and more as this year goes on, we need to make our, win our Wednesday night, that, that is our time of prayer. 6.30 to 7.15 is our 45 minutes of corporate prayer. And I, I know that it can, well, I don't have to get there until 7.15 because, you know, pastor doesn't make announcements till 7.15. 45 minutes before that is more important than the announcements. And I know it's a little bit of a sacrifice. Amen. But if we're saying that that's our time of prayer together, then we need to make every effort that we can to come and not just sit around and have conversations, but to pray together. Amen. Uh, another word for the, again, this is a word-for-word -word statement that I made on January the 9th in vision casting is this. You don't have to be opposed to the direction God has given in order to be the cause of division. Division does not mean opposition. Division just means divided. Okay, division doesn't, I don't have to be in opposition to what God is doing in order to be divided. I just have to be doing something different. Amen. And, and, and Joshua, the beginning of this verse, Joshua calls all the people together. And I believe that God is calling us as a church. That Living Hope 
I believe God is going to do wonders. I believe that we're going to see wonders. I do. We'll get to that in a minute. But consecration comes before wonder. Amen. That there's got to be consecrate today. Consecrate yourselves, and tomorrow God will do wonders. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but the first thing is we've got to be in unity. Amen. Joshua said, "All the people come together," and he said to all the people, "It's time to consecrate yourself before the Lord." Amen. What? What God wants to do, God wants to do for all of us. I don't believe God wants to just do wonders for Jasmine and, and Cameron because they sat in the magic road tonight. I don't believe that. I don't believe because you sat in the lucky quarter. You know, when you go to, we were at Brad's wedding last week, and, uh, you know, when you sit down, you don't really think much of that number on your table until they start calling, you know, who, which number, who gets to eat now. All of a sudden, sitting at table 19 is a bad thing when they start one, two, three. Amen. You, I, it's a good thing. I'm at table four. You walk in, you know, man, what, what big, who cares? I'm sitting at table four until, you know, they say table four, you're up to eat. And you thank God I sat at table four. All right, that God doesn't want to, that's not what's happening here. God wants to do something great in this church. God wants to do something great in every family of this church. It's not a separate, it's not a unique thing. It's not for some, it's not for those. It's not for a select group. It's for everybody in this church. God wants to do wonders in this church, amen. But the first thing God is gonna do is say, before I can do wonders for you all, I've got to call you all to consecration, amen. The rest of that verse goes on and says, Joshua said to all of them, consecrate yourselves today, all right, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Amen. Today's consecration produces tomorrow's wonders. Today's consecration, our consecration today is going to be what produces tomorrow's wonders. There's three Hebrew words that are used throughout the scripture to describe the act of consecration. The first of those Hebrew words is the word haram, and that means to devote. The second word is the word nazar, and that means to separate. And the third word is kadesh, or quad, I don't know, Q-A-D-H-E-S-H. Probably as far from the way I pronounce it, but kadesh sounds close enough to me. And that means to set apart. So consecration, these three words would be the same way that we would define holiness. That's what holiness is. Holiness is devoting ourselves. Holiness is separating ourselves. Holiness is being set apart from the things of this world. And so when Joshua called Israel together and he said, consecrate yourselves today, amen, so that there can be wonders tomorrow, what he was doing was calling the people a call of holiness, amen, a call of separation, amen. It was a call to separation and devotion, Listen, I, I think many times we think that, that holiness is about being different than the world. And it is in, in so, to some degree. But holiness is not just about being separate from the world. It's more about being separated unto God. Amen. Our, our call to holiness is, is not just, you know, I, I took my lawnmower today to, a, I think it was an Amish gentleman the uniqueness of that, the, the, the Amish gentleman is going to fix my lawnmower. But hey, whatever works, right? I don't, I don't know how, how all that you know, works out for them. But the, the Amish community and today, you know, they look like a really smart bunch of people, right? 
plodding down the highway in their little pay nothing for it. You know, they got a horse that they feed while we're pumping gasoline for $5 a gallon. They, they look really smart right now. But it, 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 holiness is not just living in some separated segment of society where we don't look like any. That holiness is more, much more than that. It's about being separated unto God. Holiness is not just about what I don't do. Holiness is about who I'm called to be like. And tomorrow night we're going to talk about this a little bit more. But I, I want to say tonight we are still a holiness church. We're, we are still a church that believes in separation from sin. Amen. We, we still believe that, that we are called unto holiness. Amen. All right. I know it's Monday night. Everybody's like, we're not even used to being in church, let alone saying amen on Monday night. We are still a holiness church. Amen. We still believe that, that a man is a man and a woman is a woman. Amen. Yeah. I was planning on saving this. I might, we might just touch on a little bit every night. But some of the, 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 the mess that's going, if we would just simply obey the scripture, we wouldn't be in the mess we're in right now. The Bible gave us instruction, amen. In, in the book of Leviticus, it says that, that a woman should not put on that which pertains unto a man. Amen. I'm, we're still holding this church, right? And, and, and now we've got confusion because now you got men put, wanting to put on that which pertains to a woman. And nobody knows what anybody, if we had just obeyed the scripture, we wouldn't be in this mess. Hey, we still preach holiness. Why? Not so we can be different than the world, but so that we can be pleasing unto God. Amen. We still believe in holiness. We still believe in separation from this world. We do believe in outward holiness. We believe in, that our appearance should be different than this world. Amen. But we also believe in inner holiness. Amen. Amen. Inner holiness is pleasing God. Inner holiness is loving people around you. Amen. You can have your skirt down to the floor. Uh, in length, that is. You can have your skirt all so long. you got to be careful how you say that one. You can have your skirt so long it reaches. <laughs> That's not holiness at all. So long that it reaches the floor. It's modest. Nobody can see anything. Amen. But if your spirit ain't right and you can't treat people right, you miss what holiness is all about. Amen. Holiness is not a nightstick that we beat people over the head with. But Psalms 96 and 9 tells us that we are to worship the Lord in the beauty. Holiness is beautiful. That we are to worship the Lord in the beauty. When God looks down and sees your separation, when God looks down and sees even your outer appearance, that you are separating yourselves unto him, when he looks down and sees your heart, amen, in, in the eyes of God, it is a beautiful thing. He says, look, there." striving to be pleasing unto me. They're not being pulled along by the pressure of this world, but they're striving to be pleasing unto me. And in the eyes of God, it is beautiful. Amen. Joshua tells them that your consecration today will produce his wonders tomorrow. What God is going to do in this church tomorrow, in the future, and I feel the pressure in this hour. I feel the pressure just let down. 
you, I, people haven't come to me and said it, but I feel the pressure in this hour that let's just stop preaching on some of these things. Let's just let some of these things down. It's not that big of a deal. Amen. Some of those things are just old-fashioned, and I feel the pressure. Amen. But, but I, I, I go back to what Joshua said, uh, that tomorrow's wonders are dependent upon today's consecration. Uh, if we will continue to be consecrated. I know some of you right now may not understand everything in the Scripture, uh, and there might be things that you don't agree with in the Scripture, but I just want to say just hold on to holiness. Uh, amen. Don't let go of holiness. Uh, amen. Don't let go of righteousness. Don't let go of godly living uh, because your consecration today is going to produce, amen, wonders tomorrow. We either get wonders or we wonder what happened. I've I watched it happen. People let down on holiness and then they wonder what, hap what happened to my children. What happened to my family? What happened to my marriage? We don't know what happened because what happened is you let down. What happened is you stopped consecrating yourself and the enemy got in there and then the enemy wreaked havoc in your marriage and the enemy wreaked havoc in your family. I don't want to wonder what happened. I want the wonders of God. Amen. So consecrate yourself today. Living hope. God is calling us today. God, if you went out there into society right now and you said the word to five coworkers, hey, are you consecrated? They'd be like, what, what is that? It's, it's not, people don't even know what that word is. Consecration is such a foreign world word. And when we talk about holiness and consecration and separation, this world is so anti and against that. Amen. That it's so countercultural, amen, to be consecrated unto God. But I say to this church, it's not time to quit. It's not time to give up. Amen. It's time to be consecrated today like never before. And if we will consecrate today, tomorrow God will do wonders. I say to you parents, if you'll be consecrated today, God will do wonders in your children. Amen. If you'll be consecrated today, what a wonder it was Sunday to watch Brother Andre baptize Paxton in the name of Jesus. What a wonder it was last Sunday to see Brother Harrison baptize Kenya in the name of Jesus. Amen. I believe God is raising up a generation that is going to be mightily used by God. But you've got to consecrate today if you want to see God do wonders tomorrow. In verse 6, we move forward. Joshua says to the priests, he says, take up the ark, which was in the Old Testament, the abiding presence of God. It was the symbol. It was the place that God told Sol uh, David, no, Solomon, I'm sorry. Yeah, Moses, let's go back to the beginning. Moses, I haven't eaten yet today either, so my brain's a little slow. He told Moses, build the ark, build the tabernacle and the ark that I can meet with you there. It was the presence of God incarnate. And Joshua says, take up the ark, the presence of God, and move to the front of the people. He said, we've got to get the presence of God in front of the people. Amen. And I believe in this hour, consecration, in this night of consecration that God is calling living hope, that we've got to get the presence of God back in front. Amen. We've got to get the presence of God back in front of the people. Amen. We've got to get. He said, he said, Joshua, tell the priest to get the ark, get my presence and get the 
get the ark before the people. The first thing I would say about that is we've got to get the presence of God before. We've got to make the presence of God a priority. The presence of God has to come before anything else. Amen. The presence of God has to be our number one priority. When we walk in here on Sunday morning, amen, if we never get to the third song, but the presence of God moves, that's what we've got to be after. Amen, not just me, but every other preacher that stands in this pulpit, if you don't get to finish your sermon, but the presence of God moves, that's what we're after. The presence of God has got to be our priority. Brother Silvati, it's got to be that when that young lady, your co-worker, walks in here, amen, she's got to feel the presence of God. Amen, she'll hear other people speak. She'll, hear, she'll go other places and hear music, but there's only one place that she can feel the presence of God. And so we've got to get the presence of God before. So it's up to us, Living Hope, we've got to put the ark on our shoulders, and we've got to move the presence of God back to the front, amen, every Sunday. Not some Sundays, not a few Sundays, amen, but every Sunday, it's got to be our number one priority. There's got to be a move of God. And then he's he, in going in, in keeping with that same phrase. He said, "Move, move the presence of God in front of the people. They've got to be able to see His presence. The presence of God has got to be visible. The presence of God can't be something abstract. It can't be something that is hidden. It's not. It cannot be something that we're not really sure if it, if God is here or if He's not here. Amen. The presence of God has got to be on display." And, and the, the only way that can happen is if we walk into this building and we're prayed up. Amen. Not, not just anybody could grab a hold of the presence of God and carry it. It had to be the priest. It had to be a consecrated people. Amen. We can't walk in here on Sunday so full of carnality. Brother Jones, you'll appreciate this, this illustration. My wife, and she probably, I know she was hoping I'd leave this illustration for her to use sometime. And so if, when she does, you guys act like you haven't heard it. But she had these worms or moths that were uh, getting into her cabbage. And so she read about and, and bought this chemical that you got to, I guess you mix it in with water, and then you spray that chemical on the cabbage leaves. And, and I guess the way it works is those moths or those worms eat that, that chemical. They digest that chemical, and it sends a signal to their brain and tells them that they're full. And, and that signal never goes away. And so they never eat again. They stop eating because they think they're full. No, they're, they're not full. They're actually dying of starvation. But they die because they think they're full when in reality they're starving. Can I tell you, that is what entertainment is doing to the church. That's what entertainment is doing to the people of God. Amen. I'm not, you know, I'm not against, I think even the scripture, Proverbs, talks about enjoying life. I'm not saying, you know, that, that you, know, you, you, you walk around hum, humming hymnals all day. And there's, there's room for entertainment, but when our diet is entertainment all the time and, and we're, we're so engorged on entertainment, we walk in the presence of God and we think, I'm not hungry, I don't need anything to eat. And the reality is we're starving to death, but we're so full on the things of this world, we don't know we need anything to eat. 
I would say some of you, the best thing you can do, go home and eat a steak tonight and shut Netflix down. Because what you're dying from is not too much porterhouse or ribeye. What you're dying from is too much entertainment. Amen. You, you don't have an appetite for the things of God because all week long you feast on the world. And you walk into church and wonder, why can't I move the presence of God? Why, don't, why can't I move God anywhere? It's because you're carnal. And the only thing that can move the presence of God is the priest, the, the, those who are consecrated. Amen. But if we will consecrate ourselves, not just these three days, but if we will begin to consecrate ourselves and say, I've got to get some things out of my life. I've got to get some things out of my life so that when I walk into church, I'm hungry for the word of God. So that when I, when I walk into church, I'm hungry for worship. I've been waiting all week to get in the presence of God so that I can lift my hands and worship him. We've got to move the presence of God in front. The presence of God has got to be visible. It's got to be on display. Verse 7. Then, then God says to Joshua, he says today, everybody say today. What's today? Today is the consecration day, right? Everybody with me still? At the very beginning, Joshua said today, consecrate yourselves Today was consecration day. Tomorrow is wonders day. Everybody with me? And God speaks to Joshua and says, Today, consecration day, I will exalt you in the sight of Israel. Amen. On the, God didn't say tomorrow on the day of wonders I will consecrate you. He said, no, Joshua, on the day of consecration I will exalt you. Can I tell you, God exalts consecration. God exalts those who will be consecrated unto him. I know that we think God is so enamored with our wonders, that we think God is enamored with the wonderful things we can do. Let me tell you what God is enamored with. He is enamored with consecration. He is enamored with people that will push the plate away and say, God, I need a word from you. Amen. He's, he, he is enamored with those, amen, that will push the things of the world away and say, God, I'm devoting myself. I'm separating, my, I'm separating myself unto you. God is looking for a church in 2022 that is not ashamed of consecration. When somebody asks you what church you go to, what kind of church it is, you ought, you ought not mumble that it's Pentecostal. What was that? What's apostolic? Oh, are you one of them holding it? You know, maybe, some, you know, maybe. You need, God is looking for a people that are not ashamed of consecration, that are not ashamed of separation, amen, that are not ashamed of holiness, that are not ashamed of righteous living. When you look, look around you right now at this world and the things that people are not ashamed of, I'd be ashamed of some of the things they're doing. I mean, you got foolishness going on. They're proud of it. They're proud of how crazy they look. And then we walk into church. And we're ashamed of looking a little bit different than this world. Amen. If they're not ashamed of looking how they look, there ain't no way in the world you should be ashamed of how you look. God exalts consecration. Today, Joshua, on the day of consecration, I'm going to begin to exalt you. And I'm going to show these people that you, just as I exalted Moses, I'm going to exalt you. But I'm not going to wait until the day of wonders. I'm going to exalt you in the day. Listen, I want you to understand this, that, that you, how much God is going to exalt you is tied to how willing you are to be consecrated. 
well, I want to do great things for God, but I don't want to spend any time in the prayer room. I want to be mightily used of God, but I don't ever want to fast. I, I, don't want to, I, want, I don't want to give anything up, but I want God to take me up. I want God to use me mightily, but I don't want to have to give anything up. That's not how it works. God, consec- God exalts consecration. God is not impressed with wonders. Amen. He said, he said if you will consecrate yourself, I'll, I'll take care of the wonders. Tomorrow I will do wonders. But we have a church world that's got that backwards today. We got a church world that's trying to do the wonders. We want God to be consecrated. God, you be all about us, but we'll take care of the wonders. Church is becoming a production. I, I read this the other day of a, a, a church. If I told you the church, you'd know that it's, it's not here in our community. It's a mega church somewhere in the world today. But their production, their yearly budget on production for their weekend services their production, how they present themselves, $31 million. I I promise you, Living Hope, we ain't spent $31 million in 40 years on our production. And look at the lives that God is. God does not need our wonders. God is not impressed with our wonder. I'm not saying that we shouldn't do it with excellence. I believe we need to practice and we need to do our best when we walk into church. But I'm going to tell you what God exalts is not our wonders. Amen. God exalts consecration. If somebody in this building today would get a hold of God and say, I'm going to consecrate my life. I'm going to dedicate my life. I'm going to give myself completely to him. I know even as I say that, we look over at the youth group. Yeah, you young people. Amen. If you'll consecrate yourself, God will use you. No, I don't care if you're 70 years old, if you're 75 years old, if you'll consecrate yourself, if you get serious about serving God, if you'll devote yourself, if you'll get all the way in, if you'll buy into holiness, if you'll love righteousness, if you'll do those things, God will exalt you. He doesn't need us to spend $31 million on our production. He just needs us to humble ourselves. He just needs to consecrate ourselves. Amen. He just needs us to fall in love with holiness. Verse 10, he says, God's going to do something. And here's how you're going to know that the living God is among you. And that he will drive out Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Probably a few otherites. Joshua tells the people, he says this, God is getting ready to do a wonder. When we consecrate today, tomorrow, God is going to do a wonder. And this wonder that God does is going to prove two things. First thing, that God is among you. And the second thing is that he will drive out the ites. Tell your neighbor, you need to let God drive out the ites. He said this wonder is going to prove two things to you. Not just that God is among you, that God is living among you, but that he will drive out the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Gergesites and the Perizzites and all the others. And if you study the scripture... Joshua through Judges, and you start reading about these different ites that Joshua just said God is going to drive out. Each one of them at some point in time, Israel decided, one tribe of Israel decided, we're just going to let them stay. 
God tried to drive them out, but they said, I want to let them live. I want to let them linger here. I want to dwell with them. Uh, amen. And, 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 and even though they were commanded to drive them out, in many cases, they ended up cohabitating with them. And so, again, he said, tomorrow God is going to do a wonder, and this wonder is going to be a sign that two things are going to happen. Amen. One, that God is, going to, God is dwelling with you, and two, that God is driving things out, and those things cannot be separated. In other words, the evidence that God is dwelling among you, amen, and, and this wonder that God is working, the evidence of that is that God is driving things out that, have, that you want to cohabitate with. The evidence that God is dwelling with us is not that we can say hallelujah or that we can shout or we can dance or we can run the aisles. No, the real evidence that God is living and dwelling among us is that we're letting God drive things out of our lives. Amen. What is that? What's that word? Conviction. The word is conviction. The evidence that God is in a church is not that we got a great choir. I've, I've been to churches that had great choirs and God wasn't nowhere to be found. The evidence that God is in a church is not that we have a beautiful building. Amen. There are churches that have built millions and million dollars of building, and I'm convinced God isn't anywhere near that building. The evidence that God is in the middle of a church is that that church has a spirit of conviction that is there. That there are people in that congregation that are continually saying, okay, God, is there anything else in my life that you need to drive out? Are there any Canaanites that I've cohabitated with? Are there any parasites that I've cohabitated with? Amen. Listen, the moment, listen, the moment that you stop letting God drive things out of your life, God is not dwelling there. The moment as a church that we no longer allow conviction to move in our services. That when the preacher starts preaching against sin, we shut down. And I've been in services where people shut down on me. I, I can tell when a church is locked up. Thankfully, this church doesn't do that too often. And tonight is just Monday night. I understand what tonight is. But even now, I know you all are receptive to what I'm preaching. But when a church locks up, when you start preaching against sin and they lock up on you, what they're letting you know is you're not going to preach that here. I'm going to tell you, God's going to go down the street some other church. He's going to find his way down to some other congregation. But when there is a church that says, you know what, pastor, preach it to us straight. Preach it to us. Amen. We want the word of God. We want conviction preached. Pastor, if there's sin in my life, if there's sin in my life, I want God to deal with it. Amen. If I'm not living right, I want God to deal with it. Come on, somebody. I know it's Monday night, but I came to preach tonight to somebody that God wants to drive some things out of your life. Here's my question. How can I know if I'm growing in God? When's the last time God drove something out of your life? When's the last time God asked you to give something up and you did it? Most of us equate God's presence with what God's adding to our lives when the real evidence is what God can subtract from our lives. Come on, we need to get, let God take away that hatred. Let God take away that bitterness. Let God take away that racism. Let God take away that envy. Let God take away that strife. Sometimes it's people that God needs to take out of our lives. I felt that one lock up a little bit, a little bit. Sometimes it's people. He said, you're going to know. There's going to be a sign, and that sign, you're going to know God is dwelling among you, 
and he's driving things out of your life. That's the evidence that God is among you is that he's driving things out of your life. Amen? And it's in this place of consecration that God begins to drive things, remove things out of our life. If I could go back just for a moment to those, all of the ites that I mentioned, I'm not going to try to pronounce all their names again. But here's why God wanted, man, that was cruel. Why would God drive them out? Because they were possessing what God had promised Israel. The reason God wants to get those things out of your life is because they're prohibiting you from dwelling in the promises of God. You think, oh, God, you're going to take this from me. I need it so much. If God's taking that from you, it's because he's got something better for you. And we fight so hard to hold on to what we've got. If we would just trust God and let go, he's got something better. Most of the time, the very thing we're trying to hold on to is the thing that's destroying us. I want to close with this. Today, Joshua called the people and gave them instruction for tomorrow. We come to the conclusion of this portion of Scripture in Joshua. He calls the people and he begins, he says, tomorrow this is what's going to happen. He said, the priests are going to get the ark. They're going to step in the river when they do. The river's going to stop flowing and it's all going to pile up in a heap. And we're going to walk on cro- across on. He told them that in a place of consecration, he gave them instruction for what was going to happen tomorrow. And it's in a place of consecration today that God gives the, I know tonight it's, it's not even close to a full building. And I know it's not the hype of a Sunday morning service. And I, I know we're not, you know, nobody's running the aisles right now. And I'm not trying to get you to do that. I, I know that. But that's not what's going to bring about the miracles of tomorrow. What's going to bring about that God is giving us instruction this week for the wonders that are going to come tomorrow. Some of you tomorrow in your time of fasting, you're going to kneel down and begin to pray. And God is going to give you specific instruction. Amen. God is going to begin to speak to you about key people that he's going to bring into your path that are going to be key instruments in the revival God is bringing to this church right now in the hour of consecration. God is giving us instruction that is going to be there for tomorrow's wonders. Uh, Amen. God is giving us instruction right now in this time. Today, God is giving us instruction for tomorrow. I want us to stand together. I'm going to just tell you a few things that I believe. I believe that God is saying to this church, it's time to step it up in your prayer. God is saying that to our church. You give us instruction for tomorrow. Here's what's going to happen. If, if, if living hope, if you will consecrate yourself, God's going to give us instruction today for what's going to happen tomorrow. We've already talked. Brother Sanchez and I have talked. And our goal is by the end of the year, Esperanza Viva will be having their own service on Sunday afternoons. I'm going to give you that. God's given us instruction on what's about that. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. When they start having their own service, that ministry is going to grow. Amen. It's going to grow. I I think we've said somewhere around three or four in the afternoon they'll have their service. And I believe we're going to drive back by here at the U8 lunch and you're going to pass by at five o'clock and that parking lot is going to be full. If we will consecrate ourselves today, God will do wonders tomorrow. 
well, pastor, the building's going to look full if, if they all don't come to our, no, 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 that's not what's going to happen at all. God is going to fill up those seats just like he fills up their service. He's going to fill up our service. Amen. If we will consecrate ourselves today, God will do wonders tomorrow. So I want us to raise our hand. God wants to give instruction to somebody here right now. God wants to give instruction to somebody here tonight. Somebody here, I know it's a small crowd, but some of you, God is trying to drive some things out of your life that you are fighting tooth and toenail to hold on to. And God is saying, if you'll consecrate yourself today, I've got something better for you tomorrow. Hallelujah. It's for all of us living hope. It's for this whole entire congregation. Michelle, it's for your family. It's for your children. I talked to you and Trey a couple weeks ago. I know this. God has great plans for your life. He has great plans for your family. And, and as much as you will consecrate yourselves today, God will do wonders tomorrow. How many of you will believe that for your family? I, I can't decide that for you, Justin. I love to, buddy. You're my friend. I love you. But I can't decide for you how much you're willing to consecrate. Isaiah, I love you. I pray with you before church, and I'm praying for you. You're my friend. But I can't decide. Even your parents are limited now, Isaiah, because you're a man. And I'm not picking on people. I guess I am. But I'm just randomly calling out names. Nobody else can decide for you what you will consecrate today. But I promise you this. In the measure that you will consecrate today is the measure of the wonders that God will do tomorrow. And so on the first night of this consecration week, on the first night of just these three nights, I want us to raise our hands right now and I want us to consecrate ourselves. That, Lord, I am yours completely. God, I thank you for holiness. I thank you for separation. I thank you that you've called me to be different than this world. I thank you that you've called me to be pleasing unto you. Lord, I pray that when you look at me, not just outwardly, but inwardly, I pray that you would say that is beautiful. I pray, God, that when you look down at my worship, God, that it would be pleasing unto you. Oh, Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us as a church, God, to put your presence before us. Hallelujah, God, that our number one priority is a move of God. Lord, when they walk into our church and they're bound by fear and anger and hatred and all the other vices of this world, that when they walk in, they wouldn't have to search for the presence of God. They wouldn't have to wonder if God is here, but God is going to be front and center. He's going to be at the forefront of everything we do. I want to ask us if we could come together to this altar and we're going to consecrate ourselves together. Wednesday night, we're going to take communion. Between now and then, I believe God's going to do great things. I believe in your private prayer time, God is going to speak to you. He's going to open up things to you in your word, in his word, rather. He's going to, he's going to speak to you through the scripture this week. But tonight, I want us as a church body, say, God, we consecrate ourselves unto you today. God, we consecrate ourselves. We are still a church that believes in holiness. I know it's not popular. I know that. I, I feel the pressure sometimes like a vice trying to squeeze me into being a different preacher than I am because it's not popular today. But I want us as a church right now to consecrate ourselves. We are a 
Holiness Church. We are a people that have separated ourselves unto God. We are a peculiar people. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, we give ourselves to you completely. God, without reservation, Lord, withholding nothing, we give ourselves completely unto you. Hallelujah, God, we ask you, Lord. God, if there's anything in my life, if I'm cohabitating with the Canaanites or the Perizzites or the Hivites, Lord, if there's anything that's cohabitating in my life, God, that is keeping me from the promises of God, I ask you, Lord, let a spirit of conviction come tonight, Lord, and drive out, drive out the enemies that are habitating the promises of God in my life. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.